Hello, welcome to Eat This Scroll, a podcast where we study the Bible while teaching you how to study the Bible so that you can read the Bible, not just as information, but as food for your soul. My name is Eric Miller, uh, lead teaching pastor at Mercy Hill Church in Berlin, Ohio. With me today, we have Conrad Hirschberger. Hey, how you doing? Executive pastor at Mercy Hill Church, Mr. Mark Russell. Oh, hello, hello. That was a, that was a new one. I appreciate that. Uh, associate teaching pastor, Mercy Hill Church. And we also have... Mr. Eric Pendleberry for the first time in the studio with us. Hello and good morning. <laughs> yes, it is. It is morning uh, when we're recording this right now. Uh, Eric is uh, Pendleberry is uh, an intern here at Mercy Hill and has done some preaching for us before too, and we're glad to have him with us today. So here's what we're going to be doing over the next several episodes of Eat This Scroll. We're going to be walking through the book of Philippians. I'm excited about this. The book of Philippians is cool. This is where, Conrad, do you remember uh, about 10 years ago, when we were meeting at Walnut Creek Elementary, uh, week one, we just started off Mercy Hill Church in the book of Philippians. Uh, hard to believe that that's been uh, 10 years ago. And uh, I was almost graduating high school. <laughs> and I do appreciate that time reference uh, for sure. So which I just both, that. Just which, that. Which, uh, yes, both makes me feel old, but also I'm going to say very wise. And, uh, there you go. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to read the first 11 verses here in the book of Philippians, and then we're going to jump in and, um, yeah, just do a Bible study together. You guys, uh, for those of you listening, just be listening in, but also we're going to try to just pause along the way and point out some of the things that we are looking for, because again, we want to, um, not just study the Bible, but also help people, uh, learn how to study the Bible for themselves. But, um, in the end it is, uh, uh, more of an art than a science. And in the end, we're also just trying to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit as we go through it. But let me read the verses here. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Lord, please help us to see wonderful things from your word. All right. What do you guys see as we, uh, as we read that? What, what jumped out at you? Talk me through what you're thinking. I think I think one thing here, just in the uh, introduction, right in verse one, and some of this is just kind of uh, comparing how he, how Paul often introduces himself. He'll oftentimes make an appeal, like to his authority. So he'll he'll introduce himself as apostle, yeah. and it's kind of this, uh, yeah. He, he's he's bringing up the authority he has in the gospel as an apostle. Here he just says, "Servants of Christ Jesus." Yeah. Um, so already a very, uh, humble attitude, um, painting himself in that light, um, kind of, I feel like a little bit more 
personable maybe uh not that his other letters aren't but um and i think there's something to be said too not to jump ahead but he's going to talk very much about kind of putting on this attitude of christ and um and he he's introducing himself in that way right at the beginning and i think that tells us uh something moving forward that a lot of it is just going to be fleshing out what that looks like Um, yeah no that's a good observation that's one of those things that if you're as you as you just are familiar with the bible and just simply read it more and more you kind of compare the different ways in which paul opens his letters and uh that's a great observation because it is very usual that um or common, I should say, that Paul does open it up with calling himself an apostle and kind of pointing to that apostolic authority. I think one of the things with that, too, is uh, just by way of kind of overview as we get into this, is that I think Paul really did have a special place in his heart for the Philippian church. Now, I know that maybe sounds bad because aren't we supposed to, like, love all the churches the same? Well, if you're dealing with the stuff that Paul's dealing with in, like, Galatia and, and Corinth. <laughs> it's like you're like praise God yeah. for the for the Philippians because um, they do not seem to have near the issues. Uh, the only really kind of super corrective things that Paul brings up are towards the very end of the letter with two ladies um, named Eudia uh, and Syntyche who seem to not be getting along very well. And uh, we'll just uh, we'll let Eric Pendlebury do an entire episode at the end about disagreements between women in the church. That sounds good. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that alone. I probably shouldn't have said that. Um, but th- just know that looking forward, Pendleberry, that's your... Uh, that's it's my your, area that's of expertise. <laughs> I'm excited about that. That's your wheelhouse. Upcoming episode. Um, but yeah, what else do you guys see as we uh, as we read through that? You got kind of an opening, um, uh, you know, to the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the overseers and deacons. He's addressing the entire congregation along with... Uh, the leaders of the church, uh, both the elders and the deacons, overseers would be uh, kind of a synonymous term with uh, elders. Um, and then he he almost always starts his letters this way: "Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ." And while this is a it is a common greeting in some ways, um, it's it's also though theologically rich. And the thing I always like to point out is it's it's kind of like a spoken blessing. It it isn't technically a prayer. Um, but it's it's close, and and the reason I point that out is it's he's not just asking God for these things. He he knows and assumes that they are always available in Christ Jesus, and so he just kind of like declares them over the people, and in everything that he says throughout his letters, he's wanting to impart grace with his words. Like I think about Ephesians chapter four, where it says, "Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good." for building others up that it may impart grace to the hearers. Like I think Paul was doing that all the time, like in all of his letters. And here he always starts it off with like just grace to you. I think so. This is, uh, I think that goes right along with this idea in verse nine. And this is one that, again, not to skip ahead, but I do think, like you said, sometimes it's more of an art than a science and you fill things in as you go. But this just stuck out as we were, as you were reading through it, um, he says that, that it's his prayer that your love may abound more and more, but then he says with knowledge and all discernment, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because I feel like oftentimes those two things are kind of like pitted against each other a little bit. Right. You have, you ha- yeah, 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 like yeah. people either, and, and I don't know, we do this in all kinds of ways, but I do feel like it's a real thing uh, that people either see the Christian life as all about love or, or to the neglect of, of actually 
building themselves up in knowledge and discernment and, and vice versa. There's, there's, uh, there can be a very, you know, academic intellectual approach to Christianity that, um, that, that doesn't do well at loving people. And Paul seems to just put them, put them together in a way that makes them inseparable. I don't know. There's probably more. Do you guys have thoughts no, I, on well, that? Specific? No, I, I completely agree. This is uh, one of my favorite prayers um, in all the Bible, just because I find it so relative. So let's, let's jump to the prayer here down in verse nine. And let me just pause and say too, that like in terms of studying the Bible, so you're like, you're jump you're jumping over verses three through eight. We'll come back to it. <laughs> okay. Like this is, but I think this is real in the sense that like some, when you sit down to read the scripture, it's not just an academic, um, sequential exercise. It's your, we're looking to interact and, uh, and he, truly hear from God and the Holy spirit is going to kind of uh, sometimes just highlight things as we're reading it. And so again, I'm just, th- uh, this podcast is really for just, just the average Christian that likes to get into the Bible. And when you sit down and open the word of God, like I think we all probably more than what we think come to the scriptures always with a little bit of a plan or maybe a little bit of like what we think we're going to see, especially if it's a passage we're familiar with, but just allow the Holy spirit to lead you. So let's, let's look at this prayer and then we'll go back and we'll um, look at some things. But, uh, but getting back to what you said, I completely agree. I think the, one of the greatest mistakes generally speaking, but it applies here as well in regards to keeping us immature as Christians is understanding that much of what we believe isn't so much wrong as it is reductionistic or, or not complete. And so to your point, we, so in this instance, it would be, well, am I loving or am I discerning? Yeah. And then maybe the way you're wired or maybe the, what the people around you value is you might, we might be loving, well, we're just going to be loving and not discerning. But then other people, it's like, well, no, we're truth people. We, we got to be discerning. And, you know, yeah. that's, you know, to love people is to love the truth. Well, yeah. here, Paul puts these two things together and it's actually quite, uh, beautiful and important. And, and it's also a prayer. So he says, and then you guys jump in here with whatever you see, but verse nine, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. So let's just pause there for a second. What comes to mind when you think about just that language there? Because this idea of abounding, it's it's like a cup overflowing. Yeah. It's like you're pouring in and then it's 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 running over. Um, any thoughts on that? I think it ties in with uh, verse 4. He says, making my, my prayer with joy. I think that it displays uh, just his true love for the church and for the people that God called him to. Um, I think it's just a just fits with that. Um, yeah. it's, it's genuine. He's not just saying it, but you can tell he's really, he really means it. No, that's good. Yeah. He does mention the prayer back in verse four. And again, if grace and peace are always abundant in Christ Jesus, he's declaring those things. Paul then has joy and he's praying on some level. Again, we're kind of piecing this together here little by little that their love would abound um, more and more, but with that their love would abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. Um, and again, we've already mentioned it, but like, so he's talking about an, a knowledgeable or discerning love. What does that, what does that look like? What do you- well, I would say that, you know, love is not going to be stagnant no matter what. So it's going to be, 
it's going to have to be abounding if it is a true love. Um, and I guess the first thing that comes to my mind with this verse is, is the idea that, you know, you can't love what you don't know. So the more knowledge you have of, of God um, and of what he's done for us, um, the more there's going to be to love. So without that growth and knowledge, your love's just not going to, to grow um, in amount or depth in any way. So I don't think you can, back to what Mark said, you, we separate them, but really you can't. Yeah, yeah. I think some of it is like the, the word that comes to my mind is like the, the intensity that you, can, that you can love with. And what I mean by that is this, like I think it's, some, some of it just gets into a convo of like what love actually is, and we have to define that in the gospel. But, but it's one thing to um, just be kind and welcoming and kind of warm to people. It's another thing to be able to actually love them actively with with the gospel with truth um and bringing that to bear when it when when people need it most and so i think that's i think that's part of it it's it's being able to really engage and care for and speak to people um the way the bible would when they need it and and being able to discern what that is like what the need is what it is they all of those things um are, are ultimately they're, they're kind of mutually informative, right? Like love would, would incline us to pursue that and, and vice versa, having a deeper understanding and, and discernment, uh, is going to help us love people more too in that way. And so that's kind of the idea that, yeah, that I get from it. Yeah, no, that's good. And with what Eric said, I've got a, uh, a wedding tomorrow and rehearsal dinner tonight and, uh, was, uh, getting some stuff together for that this morning already, but the idea of what how, what did you say, Eric? Do you remember about knowledge? We we can't love something without knowing it. Yeah, there's you, you can't love something unless unless you you know yeah. what it is, something about it, um, that that type of thing. Sure. And, and yeah, and my my thought was just simply in regards to like this couple getting married is that we on one level they love each other, and so they've decided to get married because they want to spend more time together to get to know each other even more. And so, and again, ideally that we then let them love each other more, want to spend more time together. And so it, it keeps they, happening. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they feed each other. Um, he goes on here, verse 10. And so again, so just pause and note here as you're studying the Bible and this is a, an epistle. So it's, it's a letter that, uh, Paul, the apostle wrote to the church. Um, and in the epistles, one of the things you want to look for are the little, uh, connective words, Therefore, since, for, because, and here's another one, verse 10, so that, um, don't skip over these little phrases as you're reading. These actually become the most important words many times in, in the epistles because they link together the flow of thought with what they're actually trying to communicate. It's not just a bunch of random ideas that we get to like mush together however we want. And so that is going to point to a purpose statement with what he just said previously so that their love is, he wants their love to abound more and more with knowledge and discernment that's his prayer and again he's asking god for this so and this is key to point out is that one of the ways that we grow in love and a discerning love is that we have to pray for it right like that's what he's yeah. he's actually doing it's not like it. go out and be more discerning in your love well sure we we can command that and know that that's what we should be however we need to know that that ultimately comes 
from God. And so we, we ask him for it. We're at, that's what he's asking God to do here. Yeah. And I think, so this, uh, this language, um, right after that, so you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, uh, is the same, is the same language he uses back in verse six. So again, we're kind of filling it in as we, we go. We here, are right? getting it as we go. This so is yeah. how, this is how, yeah, this is how it works. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Uh, when he says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion, which we all, we all probably know that verse, but then he says at the day of Jesus Christ. And so it's those two, they're, they're speaking of the same kind of end here. And, um, a lot of what he's doing after verse six now is filling in, I think what he mean, what that work is, what the work that was started, but also what it looks like to bring it to completion. He says, at that same day of Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is, uh, I don't know, in a lot of ways, I feel like Paul's saying this is, this is it. Like this is the Christian life. This is, this is what we are to be growing in. This is ultimately what the Lord wants to be, uh, you know, developing in us and maturing us in is this, this exact thing, love through knowledge and discernment for the purpose of, um, you know, us being able to, to be pure and blameless. Um, and again, like we, I, I just think it's important because we, we can kind of take that language and run with it on our own. Um, but, but Paul's talking about it in a specific way that it would be this love that's abounding more and more um, through our discernment. So, yeah. And, and how often in our prayers as well, too, um, do we forget kind of the, the end? You know, it's that whole thing of start with the yeah. end in mind, like that all our prayers be aimed towards the glory of God, uh, but also the, with keeping in mind the, the fact that we're going to stand before him someday. Um, and, uh, and what he says here is that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And I think verse 11 kind of comes in like, well, what, what does that look like to be pure and blameless? What, well, it looks like verse 11 to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. So again, it's not, it's not us. We don't produce this fruit on our own. Um, again, there's a lot that could be said about, uh, you know, one of the things we talk about or some of the language that we use here at Mercy Hill a lot is the idea of root and fruit. Um, you know, that we're rooted in the gospel and Christ and all that he has done abiding in him. And it's his word and the Holy Spirit that produce the fruit in us. Um, but he's saying that as we, as we grow in a discerning, knowledgeable love, we're going to live lives of maturity that are pure and blameless and that look like trees with a lot of fruit on them um, that comes through Jesus Christ. But again, this fruit isn't going to be bringing glory to us. It's to the glory and praise of God. And I think that that's something that gets missed a lot of times too, is like we, I don't know, just in terms of like being being fruitful, there's almost a, a conversation that could be had or a statement that could be made, I suppose, about um, if you're truly being fruitful, are you even really aware of your fruit? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's it's like that whole thing of like true humility. Is the person, can you even have true humility while being aware, while being self-aware that you're humble? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's how <laughs> yeah, God. That's a philosophical question. <laughs> yeah. This is, yeah, this is yeah. <laughs> another Pendleberry episode yeah, of the yeah, future. Yeah, yeah, right. Looking forward. Yeah, tell us. Tell yeah, us. Right. I think you are. You can be surprised by the changes that that come about in your life um, through the work of God and and through the study of His Word. Um, you know, like you said, it's not just that you one day decide that you're gonna 
have knowledge or that you're going to be filled with this righteous yeah. fruit and all this. It's, it's not really a, a decision that you just make and it happens. It's mm-hmm. something that, that happens in you through the work of God and through his word and through studying that. And, and that's what brings about the change. It's not the, the idea of this, I'm going to take all these steps and do this step-by-step routine in order to become righteous. It, it doesn't really work that way. God, God kind of transforms you Yes, there's there's certain discipline to it, but it comes through the studying of the word by the spirit in a way that I think Eric's right, it does just tend to almost surprise you at times with with how it works in you um, almost uh, subconsciously. Yeah, I think I think. uh So just kind of like stepping back a little bit, we talk. So one of the things we talk about a lot of times with. Bible study, and we've, we've done this in E2, is this idea, like, you kind of, we, we talk about three different stages, maybe, um, observation, interpretation, and then application, but it's not this, this is part of what we said earlier, like, it, sometimes it's more of an art, and it's coming in and out of, um, and so right now, it's very much like, we're kind of making conclusions, but, but I think it's helpful just to see, you know, we're talking about this being a work of God, it's for His glory, um, those things coming out of just this understanding part, part of that process too. Like we'll have people identify one really simple thing, which is just what are the, what are the verbs and who's doing them? Yeah. Right. So, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's God's work in verse six that he's going to bring to completion. Uh, you know, Eric, you mentioned that Paul is praying for this to happen. He's asking the Lord that he would bring this about. And so, on one hand, it's very clear that this kind of growth in love and this purity and this blamelessness, this uh, this fruit of righteousness that that really does come come from us, right? Like it it yeah. comes out of, out of us. It is it it really is God's work. And I you know there's other places in the Bible that help fill this in, but just that from these you know eleven verses, just that that category and understanding and the reason that it can be to the glory and the praise of God really is because it's his, right? Like that's the, that's the whole point. Um, yeah. We, yeah. We, we get to participate in it in a sense, but he, he's the one doing it, but he he's, has he's, to be he's the one doing it. it. Yeah. He's doing it through us so that we, we participate in it. And, you know, we, we really are a, a part of that. Um, well, I think too, even 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 just this idea of like you have love that's abounding more and more, that idea, and then this idea of being filled with the fruit of righteousness, and I mean, I think in a lot of ways that's that's very similar language, similar ideas. I think in a lot of ways that is, I mean, it's the same thing, right? Like ultimately, what is the fruit of righteousness? It's that we, it's that we love we that we, we love, love now. Other, yeah. We genuinely love yeah. God. We love other people, and and again. You know, Paul's even going to go on to fill in what exactly that looks like. There's more that can be said, and and the Bible does say more, but but that's fundamentally um, what 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 it is that we're being filled with, and that should be abounding in us. Yeah, um, yeah if we want love to come out of us, and I would argue that like you, where Paul, you know, lists the fruits of the spirit in Galatians: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Really, all of them are expressions of love. Yeah. Love is the chief of those. That's good. Um, and so. Uh, but again, the idea here that if 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 that's what's going to be on our tree is some form of love. 
on us where people can, uh, again, I don't know, um, uh, benefit from that, so, so to speak, and and actually taste that love from us, um, that this love has to be in us. And so the love has to be abounding in us. And again, that's what Paul's prayer is for, but not just a, a simplistic love, but one that is knowledgeable and discerning and puts those things together. Um, let's go back here and just and look again at a few more things. We've already you know, gone backwards a little bit and looked at some of the uh, connecting words and ideas and phrases um, that we've mainly picked up in, in that prayer in verses 9 through 11. Um, but just, again, by just way of note here in terms of studying your Bible, I often find it very helpful to kind of, in essence, read a passage backwards. So look where it starts, look where it ends, look at, so look at where he's going. And again, we've, in our, you know, our little section here, we've kind of jumped ahead to 9 through 11, and then go back and kind of fill in, fill in the gaps, because now you know, okay, so like, let's read it again, and think, okay, we know he's going to end with this prayer about love abounding and being filled with this fruit for others um, that will be blameless on the day of Christ Jesus, and kind of see how this in-between part is going to kind of move move towards that. Um, I guess one of the things that just jumps out to me, we've already mentioned some of this, but like the idea of joy, um, that uh, he's thank he's thankful for them, joy, thankfulness. Uh, I, I think, I think this is just personally for me in my own life right now. And in this season is thankfulness is a very undervalued virtue. Um, it, I, I think, I don't know. It's, uh, it's just not that, flashy it's not that not that <laughs> not that chic you know um but thankfulness is very powerful when you especially when you see how much the bible talks about it when you think about what christ has done for us and to think that of anything that's going to come from it first and foremost there should be thankfulness and i i guess for me one of the things i've been doing lately is just trying to cultivate that in my life is because there's also a lot of uh, flaming arrows of the evil one that are always flying around but it's just some intentionality around um around taking the time to thank god for uh, not just what he's done in the sense of the gospel and all the christ has already accomplished but also just the good little things in our life the good conversations that i've had i know as a pastor i can it can at times uh be very easy for my mind and heart to get drawn away and discouraged by some of the negative stuff um, but when I actually stop, I don't, I, I'm not just like talking about pretending I, I'm not just making stuff up. There always, there literally is an abundance, a far greater abundance of good things that I should be thankful for than, uh, than the negative anyway. But I just see that in Paul's, in Paul's life here. I think it's, I think it's, uh, it, it's interesting that I want, so we kind of, we kind of, we kind of talked about maybe some more, I don't know, not complex, but just bigger, like theological ideas with kind of how it ends but as you backtrack and and part of what we were saying is that it just it kind of is it naturally flows out of us that idea um and that's that's kind of what paul speaks to i feel like with with why he's so thankful for these people um why he uh where does he say it in verse seven the way that he feels about them how yeah. he holds them yep. in his heart he's uh there's somewhere else that he mentions there. Um, oh, the, his yearning for them in verse eight. So all these ideas very like affectionate towards yeah. them. Um, it, it's because they, they, they've, 
they've done that for him, those very small things. He says um, the reason for that is because they've all partaken with him in grace, both in his imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Um, so it's, it's, it is this very, like, it's not, it's not this, you know, abstract kind of theoretical high in the clouds stuff that, that he's talking about. It's this very personal, you know, they've been, they've been rocking with Paul through his imprisonment. They're, they're on it. They're on the same side of the gospel. And ultimately that's why he makes the, that big theological statement, verse six, that, that he who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion at the day of Christ. The reason that he can say that is because he's already seen it, seen it happening, but it's, it's through that very personal, personal stuff that's going on and support that he feels in the gospel through them. So it's, I don't know. I think it's a picture. It's a picture of both. It's, it's very real stuff, but that's the grounds that he feels he can make. Well, just bigger statements. Just practically, too, as you're reading the Bible, one of the things that I always will begin to look for is just simply the promises, like things that are sure. just unquestionably true. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, and I'll argue all day that uh, every passage in the Bible, when you understand it within its context, it is ultimately anchored by a promise, by something that is true, that is and that, and that is good news, and that we are to cling to, and then that everything else is built around. I was actually looking at this kind of technical, but are there any actual commands in this section? No. Yeah, I, see. Uh, I don't know. Th- I don't know that there's like impl- so. the implication in the prayer is yeah, that maybe, these things should be filled yeah, in our life, yeah. but it's not really yeah. a command. And I think that's important. It's technically a prayer. But the point being is that I think so many times people approach the Bible with just this blase attitude a little bit because they're like, oh, it's going to tell me a bunch of stuff I got to do. not it's not not true um it's first and foremost about what has been done for you uh it 100 percent will tell you some things to do jesus is lord he has the authority to do that he has the right to do that and when he tells us to do it it's ultimately for our good and for his glory but it is first and foremost a um filled with promises and good news that is at the center of everything and again in paul's and this is how paul writes in all his letters that usually his books Philippians is a little bit unique, but like um, Ephesians, Colossians, uh, even the book of Romans, the first half or the first portion of it is usually all um, indicative, just simply what is true. And then the second half is all imperative, what we do in light of that. But even here in this, we we read 11 verses. I don't know that there's one command. Am I missing that? I don't (laughs) look at at verse one. There says, Paul and Timothy, th- servants of Christ Jesus, and then says, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say to a bunch of potentially holy people in Christ <laughs> right. Jesus that yeah. if you can follow everything I'm about to tell you, yeah. then you will be holy. No, a bunch of qualifiers saying, in there. Yeah. <laughs> he's already saying that you are God's holy people. Yeah. And what's, what's interesting in Paul's letters is he does talk that way a lot, and then he does go on to massively rebuke people. Yeah very harshly at times, but it's always prefaced with this idea that they are in Christ. Um, And here also verse three, he's, he's thanking God for them, for his fellow brothers and sisters. That's Um, good. There's yeah. I, what both of you are picking up on, there's always, there's always order in the God, right? It's not that the Bible is not giving us things to, to do like, that's not the point, but the point is that there's, order to it but we don't see that because we miss 
you know, little two right. words there, one word, depending on mine says to all the saints, same idea. Um, that's, that's like, we just skip over that and, and don't pay attention to it. And then we get to places where Paul's going to tell us stuff to do. And it's like, you know, that's, that's the only lens we see it through. He's already, he's already making a statement about who you are, what's been done for you. And that's the grounds on which all of that stuff comes. So yeah, yeah. it's good. Amen. And, and just to state it explicitly, we've already touched on, it, but probably it's one, it's actually, I think one of the most beautiful promises in all of scripture and we haven't spent a ton of time on it but it's just for six and I'm sure of this and I would just pause and want to say like to those listening, what, what can you be sure of in your life? Not, not a whole lot <laughs> actually. Um, I mean, I don't know how this day is going to go. I don't, you know, who knows what's, what, uh, information yeah. I'm going to get with the next phone call or whatever. Um, but here's something Paul says I can be absolutely sure of, and he wants his listeners to be sure of it. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, that's God and it's Jesus he will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Um, and so we just hope that as you've uh, been listening to this podcast and, uh, and studying these first 11 verses of Philippians with us, that it's been an encouragement to you um, and that you've been able to study it with us, uh, not just as information, but as food for your soul. And we thank you for listening, and we'll uh, talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.